Joe Biden is paving the way for Americans to mark themselves genderless with an X on their passports moving forward. I mean, should we at least try XX and XY first? I mean, at least if we use the chromosome thing, maybe it would make a little bit of scientific sense. Personally, I'm fine with anyone calling themselves X. If they want to, it's totally fine, as long as no one complains when I mark my gender as X-Men. And I think that, I mean, man, the things I would laser in half with that thing, oh, you have no idea. Of course, this is one of several measures the president is pushing as a way to mark today's transgender day of visibility. And a quick note on that name, trust me, you're visible, like we, we can tell. We can see you, uh, every single headline, every single news publication, every single hour, you're visible, okay? And especially you, Leah Thomas, we can really, really see you, all of you, every unfortunate inch. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to get your Blaze TV subscription. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. Today we talk school choice. Maxine Water is abusing some homeless people. And first, we're going to start by doing indentured maxitude. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. Indentured maskitude. It's a different thing. It's a little different than the old servitude way, but maybe not as different as you might think. We learn so much from celebrities. For example, most of us had no idea what alopecia was before this week. Nobody knew. And now we know. I mean, are we sure Jada Pinkett Smith was mad about the alopecia part? Or was she just mad at her career being mocked by the mention of G.I. Jane, too? I don't know. By the way, USA Today called the original G.I. Jane an unfulfilling exercise in pseudo-feminism, which coincidentally is also the slogan for Leah Thomas, the movie. Mm -hmm. It's true. But let me take you back a little bit. Let me take you back before this latest rich person party controversy to the last rich person party controversy. The 2021 Met Gala. Do you remember this? It wasn't that long ago. Here's uh, somebody, I don't know, a lady in a horse head costume uh, looking just absolutely wonderful. And then in the background, you see people holding their, her dress and wearing masks. She's not masked. She's like a celebrity of some sort, I guess. But then there are the underlings. They're all masked. How about Billie Eilish? Oh, woman of the people. Beautiful dress, looking lovely, with a guy holding her dress with a mask on. She doesn't have a mask on, but, you know, the lesser people, they have those masks on. How about Jennifer Hudson? Here are people holding her dress, walking her, watching her walk up the steps in glorious fashion as they are muzzled and she is not. Remember this, probably my favorite artist of today, Sa Weedy. Mm-hmm, there she is, Sa Weedy. She is uh, going up the stairs. I, it seems like part of her dress may have fallen off, honestly. Not a lot, not a lot of material there, but uh, people are holding the material and they have masks on. They're following her up the stairs. They need to be masked because as we all know, coronavirus cannot enter uh, the lungs of a celebrity. They can only enter the lungs of an underling. And finally, we have the ultimate celebrity, a person who's constantly speaking up for everyone, wearing an incredibly expensive rich, uh, dress that says tax the rich on it. Uh, there she is, AOC herself, surrounded by people wearing masks while she's not wearing one. Why? Because she's better than you. And your betters get to make their decisions on their health, but not you. You need to be masked. You need to have different rules. 
I want you to think about these pictures in your mind for a second. Visualize them as you as you remember what we just looked at. Or if you uh, happen to be on podcast, the pictures we just showed, you've seen them before. Celebrity, beautiful, glamorous, all of that going on. A celebrity without a mask celebrating, having their glamorous life go on while the peasants are serving them drinks or holding their dress. And they remain masked for hours and hours and hours. They're the dirty poor people, after all. Protect us from their germs. We all mocked this when it happened. I know I did. I'm sure you did. Now think about all of that unmasked celebrity and the masked worker, all those photos we just talked about, and think about it from a different perspective for a second. You might not be rich or famous. You might not be as well-dressed. You might not have as low a percentage of body fat. But at the end of the day, what is the difference between that photo, those photos we just showed you, And what is happening right now when you walk into a grocery store, when you're at a restaurant and some masked employee brings you a drink? Why aren't you as offended as what you saw in those photos? I'm serious. I've said this on the show a million times. You know, for 18 months, things have been pretty well, going pretty well back here in Texas. We're pretty much back to normal and we can pretty much do whatever we want. And other than, you know, planes, maybe a doctor's office here and there, I'm not asked to wear a mask. The only real difference is that, you know, the server at the restaurant is still wearing them or the bagger at the grocery store is still wearing them. Why is this okay? Why is this acceptable? If it's not okay for rich celebrities at the Met Gala, why is it acceptable to us? Why is this still happening when basically everyone in America has some sort of immunity and we are at our lowest ICU and hospitalization levels since all of this began? The government, yes, they like to control us, sure. But that's not the problem here. Applebee's is not looking to institute an Applebee's-led global tyranny that we know of yet. I mean, it's probably in Glenn's book, The Great Reset, somewhere I will look for it. Some sort of Applebee's. Uh, led dictatorship is on the way. But that's, you know, that's at least five or six years in, in the future. Restaurants right now are making a calculation based on you. People who don't wear masks won't, won't come in if you force them to wear a mask. They probably know that by now. But it's not affecting them if employees do it. So we just sort of, I don't know, blow it off as a basic annoyance of COVID life. On the other hand, if you don't mask your employees and put up meaningless plexiglass and obsessively clean everything like your Howard Hughes, then those who are still freaked out about COVID will not come in. They're playing to the COVID alarmist. Masked employees might not change our calculus, but it does change the calculus of your terrified liberal friend, or at least this is the way these businesses have been thinking for a while. So they mask the employees because there's no downside for their business. Well, may I humbly suggest that we attach a downside. Here's what I propose. Next time you're at one of these places, on your way out, ask for a manager. And then explain to them calmly and rationally why this is a problem. Not why masks don't work, or not why COVID isn't real, or not why all of this is part of a giant government scam. Even if you believe all that, don't, that's not the time to say it. Instead, explain to them the problem with their policy in the context of how it makes you feel as a customer. Tell them that you feel uncomfortable with their policy of forcing employees to mask. Tell them about the Met Gala and the Emmys and how you made fun of that. And now you're seeing the same thing happen in their restaurant. Tell them how it makes you feel like they're not treating their employees as equals. 
And because of that, you can't enjoy your experience there any longer and won't be coming back until they change that policy. Remember, these people probably want those masks off as much or more than you do. They got to wear them all day long. A lot of them will love to have these anecdotes from customers that they can send up the chain. It's not about how you feel about COVID restrictions. It's about their treatment of employees and the fact that it's ruining your experience at their business. Keep it focused on that. Stay calm. Stay rational. You don't need to make every COVID argument you have in this conversation. You don't need to say the word ivermectin. You don't need to use the term face diaper. That's probably not going to be helpful. They might blow you off as some evil COVID denier or ideologue. But, you know, I know people in hourly jobs that literally hate having to wear their masks every day. We can stand up for them. It's, it's easy to just, you know, say they should leave. And, you know, if they can, I mean, that's great. I know people who've done that. But we can actually help people in these situations by telling the truth and making sure their managers and other people at the restaurant actually know about this stuff. Allow your employees to make their own medical decisions or I'll find a place that does. There's a lot of restaurants out there. Look, the truth is we've all fought really hard for the freedom to make our own decisions over the past couple of years. And we've won that battle for the most part, at least for now. But until the places we frequent start hearing from us, these companies are not going to change. It's not enough to allow the customers to breathe freely while you mask up the servants. That's not cool. That makes us the same as the absolute scum of the earth, Hollywood celebrities. Though I will say masks are not all bad. If only Chris Rock would have been wearing a mask the other night at the Oscars. Who knows? Maybe the two cloth layers would have cushioned the blow from Will Smith. Then we could finally truthfully say that at least in one case, masks really did make someone a little safer. All right, trying to buy or sell a home uh, in this market, it can be a little crazy. Uh, prices are very high right now, as we know. The prices have been going up for a long time. Will this end? Will it turn around? Who knows? You do need a real estate agent who can make sure that you get the best price if you're buying or the best price if you're selling. You need someone who knows the area, who knows uh, the people um, in the area that can do work on your house. Which work should be done? We were talking uh, to an agent the other day who works with real estate agents, itrust.com, and they're always super complimentary of the listeners because these are people who are going uh, to real estate agents, itrust.com, and want to have someone they can connect with on value, someone they can trust with a handshake, someone who they know is going to be standing up for their side of a transaction like this because the transaction is really important. It's probably one of the most important things you'll ever do financially. You've got to get it right. You need someone on your side. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find that person. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, realestateagentsitrust.com. If you happen to be a frequent viewer or listener to this program, you may remember me last week losing my mind uh, over the education approach by mainly people on the right. I know the people on the left uh, don't agree with me on this topic, uh, but people on the right say that they, they do. They say that we should have our kids in either private schools or homeschooling or something outside of what's going on in private public schools, because we, we always say we don't like what's going on in public schools. Yet. When it came to the COVID situation, we sat here and we said over and over again, uh, open these schools up so we can get them back in so they can learn all that stuff we don't want them to learn. 
It didn't make much sense to me. And I feel like there should be a more offensive approach rather than a defensive approach coming from uh, conservatives and people who believe in choice for students. Uh, And I wanted to get somebody on who knows this issue and also is doing something about it. Uh, Corey DeAngelis is with us. Uh, He is the national director of the research uh, research for the American Federation for Children. It's a long title, but I got through it, as well as an adjunct scholar for the Cato Institute. Corey, how's it going? Hey, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate you coming on. Uh, You know, help me here, uh, because I feel like there is there's not enough going on on offense to try to make people understand that, you know what, kids don't have to be put back into these same systems that they're unhappy in and are not excelling in. Yeah, totally. I would say first that people calling to open the schools, they had it right, but that's a very low bar when it comes to uh, securing parental rights in education. And now we're seeing the schools open, and then a lot of people are complaining about what's being taught in those schools. And uh, all of these problems that we saw bubbling up over the past couple of years were all just symptoms of the larger problem, which happens to be a massive, one-size-fits-all, government-run school system. And at the end of the day, when we, when you're trying to pass all these bills to ban this or ban that or to have this curriculum or that curriculum, the Republicans are just playing whack-a-mole. And and you're never going to fix the root of the problem, especially when implementation gets really tricky and teachers can just change uh, how they're teaching certain things and the curriculum uh, can just change as well. Uh, you can, instead of doing CRT, you can do social emotional learning mm. or you can change it to saying it's just called mental health. And the only way out of this mess is with freedom rather than force is to allow the money to follow the child so that families can take their kids' education dollars to an education provider that best aligns with their values. That could also provide competitive incentives for the public schools to do a better job and perhaps focus on less divisive concepts that they know that they're upsetting so many parents when those parents have exit options. So the only way to really fix this is school choice. Bottom-up accountability is the real, only the only true form of accountability that exists. All of these other uh, solu- quote-unquote solutions are just band-aids to the deeper issue. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought the, the, these, these steps that we've been taking, uh, seeing a lot in the press, uh, bringing those issues up, because some of them I agree with. I mean, it's, you know, there are, there are some of the uh, new laws and, and, and uh changes in curriculum that I think are important for public schools. But it just seems like such a half measure and a a measure that's seemingly more designed to get the governor or whoever is doing this thing in in front of the media and raise money for a future campaign than anything else. A a real press from the, the conservative side of the aisle, the libertarian side of the aisle saying this is the time to separate this, to make it so it's not we're not depending on government to do all these things for our kids. We have an incredible opportunity right now. And I, I just feel like it's, it's passing us by. And we do have a huge opportunity. I will say 2021, we had a lot of victories. We're calling it the year of school choice in 2021. Or if you're hip with the lingo, it's the year that we decided to fund students, not systems, because 19 states enacted or expanded programs to fund students directly as opposed to government-run institutions. And in 2022, legislators in over 30 states introduced bills to fund students directly, and we're still working through those bills. We're seeing how they will shake out this year as well. And just yesterday, the South Carolina full Senate just passed a, a bill to fund students as opposed to systems through an education savings account program by a vote of 25 to 15. And Iowa's Senate 
uh, passed a bill that has been championed by the governor, Kim Reynolds, by about a 31 to 18, which would also be an education savings account, which is the purest form of funding students, not systems. It's the gold standard of school choice. And again, in 2021, the number of states that had these ESA programs doubled from five states to 10 states. We've also seen a massive push in support uh, when it look when it comes to the polls. Uh, the latest Real Clear Opinion Research polling has found an eight percentage point jump in support of school choice since the pandemic started. In April of 2020, the support was 64 percent. In February of 2022, the support was all the way up to 72 percent. And there's supermajority support among Democrats, Republicans and independents. So politicians should push for the policies that parents want and the, the policies that actually empower parents to uh, to to find the education that works best for their kids, because all these other uh, 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 top down measures, they might be a step in the right direction, but the implementation gets really tricky. And the only true form of accountability is allowing families to vote with their feet. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing that shake out. Accuracy in media just did some undercover journalism, for example, in Idaho and Tennessee, two deep red states. And they found administrators uh, just admitting that, well, we're going to teach CRT anyway, even though it's banned, but we're going to call it something else, uh, which shows you that, look, the only way to fix this is school choice while respecting the reality that parents are going to disagree about how they want their kids raised. And that's OK. The problem becomes when one group of parents try to force another group of parents to have their kids raised in a way that is not aligned with their values. That's where the problem arises. Mm, yeah, that, and it's great to hear that there's actual movements going on. And this is where we're seeing the real action here is on the local level. I'm surprised we're not seeing more. I mean, this should be the upfront issue for Republicans nationally right now. Uh, we saw, obviously, it worked with, at some level with uh, Glenn Youngkin in, in, uh, in Virginia. But I mean, you know, the school choice part of this doesn't seem to get emphasized as much as it should. And, you know, Republicans have a lot, a lot of things they argue for that are not that do not poll well. Right. I mean, like I, I don't want a federal uh, minimum wage. People hate that opinion. OK, they love school choice. They love it. People on the left like it. People in the middle like it. Certainly conservatives like it. It's an overwhelmingly popular idea. And it does not seem to be one that Republicans, at least, are grabbing the reins on nationally and saying, this is what we stand for. We could talk about all the stuff that you may, you know, there's a lot of culture war stuff out there that gets all the attention. But this is something that we can really make a difference on. Yeah, Republicans need to make uh, school choice a line in the sand issue. Uh, recent polling from Oklahoma and in Texas on their Republican primary ballot, they had propositions for school choice and, and pro-life propositions in both states. The support for the school choice propositions or, or polls were higher than the support among the primary, uh, the Republican primary voters, even for pro-life. Wow. So that just goes to show you how popular the policy is but it's not only popular with republicans it's 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 popular with democrat constituents on the ground as well republicans in states like florida where i'm i happen to be right now have figured this out uh you have them voting together on the issue and advancing parental rights and education in the purest way which is giving the money to the families and letting them choose the education provider that works best for them we saw the victory in with glenn youngkin in in virginia 
the Republicans took the House in Virginia and they all voted together 52 to 48 to pass an education savings account program. So this can be done if Republicans band together and uh, if parents apply pressure to elected officials uh, so that they say, so that they do what they say. Uh, you know, school choice, Corey, has been uh, on the Republican platform, you know, part of the, the central argument for a long time, just not really emphasized. Uh, I think people have heard, you know, the term school vouchers. They've heard school choice, uh, as you mentioned, uh, funding students, not systems. What does that mean? What is the menu of options here and how does it work for an, a an average family? Yeah, the way that I would define it is allowing your child's state education dollars to follow them to wherever they get an education. That could be the government-run school. If you like your public school, you can keep your public school. But if not, that same funding would follow the child to a private school to pay for tuition and fees, a micro school, a home-based education op like, like, option like uh, 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 a pandemic pod that we've seen mm. sprout up over the past couple of years, any approved education expenditure. The best way to do that right now is something called an education savings account program. Some states call them by other names, they'll call them like education freedom accounts, for example, in New Hampshire. I actually really like that name. But it's the, it's all the same basic concept that the funding that would have followed your kid to your residentially assigned government-run school, you can still do that if you want that option. But if not, you can take it somewhere else. The money follows the child. It's pretty basic. It's the same logic that we apply to higher education where we fund students directly with Pell Grants. The Pell Grant funding doesn't have to go straight to a residentially assigned government-run school or provider of higher education. Instead, the funding goes to the student and they can choose public or private, religious or non-religious universities. We do the same thing with, with pre-K programs that are funded by the taxpayer. You can take the money to private religious pre-Ks if you want or non-religious pre-Ks. You can do the same thing. We apply the same logic with essentially everything else in society. With food stamps, you don't have to take it to a government-run uh, grocery store. Medicaid, you don't have to spend it at a government-run residentially assigned hospital. The money follows the decision of the family or the student. And all we're asking with school choice is to apply that same logic to those in-between years of K-12 education. The reason that it's been a tough nut to crack is that, uh, for a long time at least, uh, it's becoming easier now more than ever because the teacher unions overplayed their hand more than ever over the past two years and awakened a sleeping giant. These parents who want more of a say in their kids' education, these parents are actually a, a new special interest group in town. But the thing is, we have choice with everything else in society. We have choice with higher education and pre-K, but choice threatens a long-existing special interest group only when it comes to those in-between years of K-12 education, the teachers' unions and the superintendents' unions. And, of course, they fight as hard as possible against any change to the status quo because they want to get your kids' education dollars regardless of how well they do, regardless of the family's choice in the matter. And from what we've seen over the past two years now in many places, regardless of whether they even open their doors for business. It's time to fund the student, not the bloated bureaucratic government system. Uh, one last one here for you, Corey, because uh, that's, uh, that's exactly what we need. Um, you know, my kids are younger kids. They're in private school, um, and I'm really happy with that decision. But, you know, it's as of right now, it's difficult for a lot of people to do that. Uh, they, can, they might not be able to afford it or whatever else the reason might be. Um, and if you pass this, 
there's a real path to get kids to be able to be able to make those choices if they wish. If they want to put them in private school, great. If they want to go through a pod, learning, or whatever the, the answer is. But if, let's say, you're in New York, you're in Illinois, and the prospects for a state law to get passed that is going to support this, I'd like it to be higher, but it's probably not, not all that great in the immediate future. So if that's the case, is there another way? Is there are there charities that help kids get tuitions to go to these schools? Because I feel like this K through 12 thing has been so underserved. We've been looking, as you mentioned, at universities like crazy. And we complain all the time about what gets taught there. But these fundamental years where everything is being built, the foundations are being built. We've been ignoring. Are there paths for these blue states to participate in this in some way, too? Yeah, totally. So New York and California, they have public charter schools, for example, which are a step in the right direction. You're not residentially assigned to charter schools, and they can be privately operated. They're not uh, directly operated by the government, so they don't have as much monopoly power, and they're less likely to be unionized. Mm. So charter schools are a step in the right direction, but it's not the same empowerment on the part of the parent in uh, uh, when it comes to the funding going directly to the student, like with an education savings account program. So that's one way to 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 move in the right direction in bluer states. I think when you when we have more red states pass true educational freedom, you'll have this laboratory of democracy approach where it will become such a no-brainer even in the blue states that they, they'll push to, to uh, pass educational freedom as well. And then in California, they're doing a push to put it to the ballot because – you know, the the uh, the legislators in many cases are uh, they have to listen to their bosses, the teachers unions who who contribute to their campaigns. But Democrats on the ground, the voters overwhelmingly support education savings accounts mm-hmm. and the money following the child. So uh, in California, their thinking is maybe they'll have a better shot at putting on the on the ballot. Uh, the other wrinkle in the story there is that the attorney general uh, put some very biased language on the ballot proposition so that is a, a whole nother ball game, but that there are other, other types of avenues to try to empower parents more so, even in blue states. Well, Corey, I really appreciate it. I can't say enough how much I appreciate you doing the work that you're doing. I mean, moving the, this ball uh, down the field a little bit is incredibly important. Uh, Corey DeAngelis is the National Director uh, of, of Research for the American Federation for Children, uh, also at the Cato Institute. Uh, thanks so much, Corey, and, and keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign have now officially been fined over the Steele dossier, which is amazing considering the way that was treated as the most truthful document uh, ever presented back in the day. Well, uh, as we know, that fell apart. If you kind of remember, Hillary Clinton's campaign had funded uh, uh, a, a legal firm who then took that money and gave it to Fusion GPS, where they generated this uh, dossier, much of which obviously was fake uh, and just rumors from like random people walking the streets in Russia. (laughs) This is a bizarre situation. Eventually it was released by I think it was BuzzFeed News. Uh, Everyone kind of knew about it. And it wound up being blowing up into a big thing, a big part of the Russiagate controversy. All of that happened. And the whole time we were kind of told, like, Trump did all this stuff. It's absolutely true. It is, uh, these are legitimate, a lot of it's been proven true. Uh, and of course, it's conspiracy theory to think that Democrats paid for it. Well, now they've had to pay a fine because of that. A $113,000 fine. Uh, and they have uh, paid that 
I guess 8,000 of it came from the Clinton campaign, 105,000 from the DNC. They're not admitting wrongdoing here. They're just basically saying we want to avoid future legal fees. But they have been uh, sanctioned here with a, with a significant, uh, not a significant fine to them. But uh, the fact that it's, they're actually being marked as done something potentially wrong here is at least something. We'll see if this continues to advance. Uh, as we talk about that, inflation has hit a new 40-year high in February, uh, it was up 6.4%. Uh, let me give you the chart here, because we like charts on this program. Conservators, unite. It's Chartapalooza. Yes, uh, kind of amazing. It's up over 6%. Now, the last time that happened was, was in the very few uh, first months of the Reagan uh, presidency. And that fell pretty quickly after that. It's been under control now for you know 30 years until Joe Biden got his hands on the wheel. And now we are in real trouble. Now, of course, they'll blame most of that on Vladimir Putin. Obviously, that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, you know, this is all happening before Putin did anything. Uh, Putin is not helping this process all that much. Uh, I wouldn't say he's aiding uh, the process. Certainly, he's one of the reasons why energy prices have gone up, and, and that is a factor now. But it's a factor after things were really bad. See, like when you have a, a global event like this that really creates some problems for your country, it's a lot easier to go through when you're not already in terrible shape. And this is the problem with Biden and his administration. We entered the Biden administration coming out of COVID, and he has not helped at all. In fact, made several things worse. And then we had the Russia controversy on top of it and the war in Ukraine, which made things even worse. So you get behind the eight ball, things get worse and worse and worse and worse. The problem with inflation, one of the worst things about inflation, why you want to avoid it at all costs, is because in a way it it has a a cyclical sort of, uh, I guess more of a circuitous sort of feel to it, right? Where things feed each other. There's a positive feedback loop there. For example, everyone's talking about inflation now. You know it. I know it. Well, I, you know, I got two emails this, just this weekend from people who do regular uh, you know, work with us uh, or uh, for our house, and uh, they both said their prices are going up. Now, of course, I understand that, right? Makes sense. Um, you know, people, some of the chemicals they use are going up double and triple in value, and like the, the gas prices are so high, and they need to charge more. And, you know, look. I, I think we all understand that, you know, a, a person who's trying to, to make their business run, they can't be losing money every time they go uh, to do a job. We all get it. But once it gets into the American um, mindset that inflation is a real thing and is ongoing all the time, like it is right now, what happens is everyone starts raising their rates. Everyone starts raising their prices. Everyone expects prices to be raised. Everyone expects to pay a little bit more. And this just feeds itself. They have to go back and get uh, raises. They need more money uh, to come in when they apply for a new job. And prices go up and up and up and up. And it feeds into itself. It's a really scary problem when it gets going because eventually it gets to that point where you can't control it at all. We're not quite to that level yet, but we're getting there quickly. And it's, it's becoming a scary thing for anyone who wants to purchase something, especially if it's a big purchase. If you don't have a lot of money put, put away, how are you going to catch up? Eventually, uh, between interest rates and, and uh, being raised and features like that, where people can't even afford the goods they want to buy, eventually prices usually come, after, uh, come back into control. But it takes a long period of having to deal with a very scary economy. 
We don't want it. We don't want gas lines. We don't want the stuff that we saw in the late 70s into the early 80s before Reagan was able to really wrestle control and save the country from what was a, a spiraling situation at the time. People don't remember how bad that was. It was really bad. So we really want to avoid that. And there's just no signs that someone like Joe Biden is capable of doing such a thing. In fact, he's got these high prices at the pumps. So now he's releasing uh, a million barrels of oil a day from our strategic oil reserves. Now, George Bush has done this before. I think Barack Obama did it as well at one point. It is a pretty standard um, thing to do for a president. When you uh, have high gas prices, they offer to release um, millions of barrels of oil from the strategic oil reserve. It is a thing that presidents do, but it is never a smart thing that presidents do. It makes no sense. The point of a strategic oil reserve is to have it in case you need it for strategic reasons, not because we want to knock three cents off the gas prices, but because we can't get access to oil to make our military go. Like that is the type of reason you have a strategic oil reserve. And when Bush did it, when Obama did it, it was ill-advised. The, what Biden is doing is so far beyond that. It's insanity. We are in the middle of a hostile situation in Ukraine right now. This is going on right now. We have uh, a, a, an adversarial country that is approaching borders of NATO nations. A couple of wrong decisions from someone like Vladimir Putin could have us in World War III in a day. In a day. And yet... We're getting rid of our strategic oil reserve to, to, to sink gas prices by two or three cents? This makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. If you want to lower uh, oil prices, get rid of the taxes. Now, look, that's still just a temporary solution. But if you get rid of the taxes, which some states are doing, that would help a lot more than, than releasing oil out of our reserves. And that puts us at a weaker point when it comes to global affairs. Remember, Belarus is basically owned by Russia. It's like their property, okay, uh, at this point. They border NATO nations. They don't even have to go through Ukraine to get to NATO nations. They just need to cross the border of Belarus. This is a scary, scary time. He's a guy who's, as we talked about yesterday, has almost talked us into global war multiple times over the past week. And yet we're going to get rid of our strategic oil reserves now? That, my friends, for lack of a better word, is bananas. And I don't know if he's going to be able to figure this out. I don't see any evidence uh, of, of the sort that he could. And I just worry that this is going to go downhill in a scary way. And we were not even going to have our reserves there to back us up if we need it. So we'll uh, we'll get more into this here uh, in the coming days and watch it closely because this is not a good decision. It's never a good decision to do for prices. It's not what it's there for. It's not what it should be used for. Biden is doing the wrong thing yet again. And it's uh, yet another step and an almost uh, completely unanimous path of screwing up every event he's had his hands on since he walked into office. It really is remarkable. If you were trying to do the wrong thing at every turn, I don't think you'd be more successful than Joe uh, Biden. And he, Biden is doing this without even intending to do it, I think. So we'll get into that more here in the coming days. Maxine Waters is in the news. And when I say that, I think I, you know exactly what has gone on here. Uh, because Maxine Waters has spent her entire life and career studiously 
avoiding accomplishment. So it can't be like she's done something that's notable. It has to be, as every Maxine Waters story is, she said something dumb. This time she was at a uh, gathering uh, of homeless people when she said this. I want everybody to go home. And I want- We don't got no home. Okay. That's why we here. Ms. Waters, can you home we don't go to? Just a moment. Nothing is going to happen anymore today. We ain't got no home. That's why we're here. That's, uh, again, Maxine Waters telling homeless people to go home. This is the brilliance of our Congress and why they have a hefty 13% approval rating right now. Uh, Pentagon is going to try to save that because they want you to have faith in the government. And that's why they're doing important things. Like, for example, coming up with a list of 750 things they should rename. There's 750 names with Confederate ties. It's thinking about uh, replacing on bases. Uh, and the list is extensive. Uh, it, it highlights streets, civil works, buildings, paintings, vessels, signs, names of military installations, all of that. Uh, they've got, um, I mean, it's just, it's an incredible list looking at it here. Is this really what we want our government to be doing? Do, are we really this childish that we can't take a name that we're uncomfortable with? Who cares what it's called? Why, why what, think about this. What I, what, every once in a while, I, I like to think about this uh, these situations in this way. And it's going to be the most frustrating thing you've ever thought about in your life. So I'm just going to do it. I don't mean to make your life any more miserable than it is, but let me go forward with this. Some employee was paid to do this. Probably dozens of employees were paid to go around and look for names to change throughout the military. They probably spent a million dollars on this, you know? $2 million, $5 million on this. Whatever amount it is, it is likely more than all of the taxes you will ever pay in your entire life. All of the money that you're going to lose, that, gov that the government is going to take from you, from all of your hard work in your entire life, won't even fund this program to figure out what names needed to be changed at military installations. That is how, think of how hard you work. Think of all the things you've sacrificed in your life. Think of all the things you didn't buy and could have. Think of the good you could have done with that money. All of it combined throughout your entire life won't even fund this program. That is, if that does not make you sick, I don't know what will. Let me try something else. Charlie Brown has a new special coming out. It's an Earth Day special. Yes. <laughs> the peanuts will learn to take care of nature for Earth Day. And you'll get a brand new song from Ben Folds, which uh, tons of people were asking for in 1995. Uh, right now, not so concerned about that particular thing. But hey, you want your kids indoctrinated outside of Disney, you can get that done as well. Uh, we have comments from you on YouTube. Make sure to uh, subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to click subscribe wherever you are. As we know, people involved in ISIS do not click subscribe. So prove, just prove it. If you're not an ISIS, prove it. Click subscribe 
right now, wherever you're listening or viewing the show on YouTube. Uh, we have Stu, love the show, 100% the truth. Actually, I lie through about 20% of the show every day. It's up to you to figure out which 20% it is, but it's only about 80% truth, and you should know that. Uh, I've watched every episode. Does this make me a Stewie or a Bergie? Stupid it is, as stupid does, and I love this stupid show. It is weird that we all call the show stupid, isn't it? Kind of weird, but I mean, I guess it's my fault. I say it all the time. Um, we also talked a little bit about Biden screwing up the speech yesterday. Uh, Chris says, actually, the guy in his earbud said the can't remain in power under his breath. And Biden just heard it and repeated it. I will say that's probably how these things are happening at this point. I would, you heard the, the terrible reports about Bruce Willis where he can't remember his lines and he can't communicate. And he was going through a process where he had, you know, speakers in his ears and people were feeding him the lines during the actual acting. Um, and that was really sad. It's also sad that that's happening to our president right in front of our eyes. That's really sad, uh, too. We also talked about Disney this week. If they make Donald Duck buy Curious, I will personally drive up to L.A. and tear down It's a Small World. In fact, I might do that either way. And that's, uh, you know, might be might be fun. I will say it's not impossible that Donald Duck is bi Curious. The guy's not even wearing pants. I mean, I, he, he seems to be good to go, like, at any moment. You know, it, it, look, it's hard to trust a man who will not wear pants. And that's Donald Duck. So I don't know. I don't know what he does. He may have all sorts of different interesting things he believes in. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And remember, when you give us a positive review, you not only help this program, but you also hurt others. And that's the most important thing. Okay. So here's what happened. In New Jersey, every year, they clean up the beaches. And you might say, that's not true. I've been to New Jersey beaches. <laughs> and you'd be, you'd be wrong, actually. They actually do clean these beaches. When you've seen them in that condition, that's when they're clean. So they clean up these beaches every year. And this year, they picked up 513,605 items. And they've, I, for some reason, not just thrown them in the bag, they've cataloged these items. What some of the things they found, male enhancement pills, <laughs> a set of braces, uh, a glow-in-the-dark condom, which, of course, obviously you need, a Turkish Airlines hygiene kit. At least somebody's doing some hygiene. I mean, it is, again, it is Jersey. Uh, a hunk of human hair, a full set of dentures, a thong, um, a kit to revive drug overdose victims, which, I mean, it should be trash. They should keep those on every corner uh, there. Um, several marijuana bags, a bullet casing, a fake eyeball. I knew I put it somewhere. Uh, it was apparently on the beach in Jersey. A plastic monkey, a set of rosary beads, a message in a bottle, over 3,600 discarded masks, which I love this one because they wanted us to wear these masks all over the place. And now they're just littering everything, ruining the environment after they begged us to use them. A rainbow striped women's bathing suit, which is interesting because like what happened on the way home? If you left the suit there, what happened on the way home? Uh, a check for a dollar, uh, an accordion, a harmonica, a CD holder filled with albums by Limp Bizkit. Who has a CD holder filled with, like having a Limp Bizkit CD, uh, okay, an entire filled with them? It seems, it seems a little strange, but it actually did happen, and that's Jersey. 
Uh, and we love you, Jersey. Thank you so much. It's always an adventure on a Jersey beach. Look out for those needles. Uh, Veepthoughts.com is the place to go to get all of Kamala Harris's deepest thoughts expressed to you. You can see all of them there. Make sure to share them. Uh, they've been uh, being passed around quite a bit. Veepthoughts.com. We'll see you tomorrow.